everybody, and welcome back to episode 26 of PodCanna. This week, we are not going to be doing our full constructive review. We had a talk, and I think after episode 24 and 25, went through a significant amount of the cards and talked about them in depth. But since the cards have been put on Pixelborn and we've seen decklist start to emerge, we've seen a, a meta start to sort of take hold. Uh, I think it's time to actually start talking about these decklists. And we think that that will provide more value to all of you rather than going through each card individually um sort of in a vacuum right for constructed because the metagame seems like it's starting to coalesce a bit you know we see these aggro decks coming out we see some of the things that we predicted right maybe the fall of ruby amethyst and control or at least it's falling off a bit we see um you know emeralds very powerful these these amber lists are very powerful so we just want to dive into all that and give you all some of the deck lists that we've seen uh perform on pixel martin and that we've been playing in the past week so that you can take them uh, and go have fun at your locals or go have fun online anyway Moyen, you've been playing the most, as people might notice from my stoic face on this podcast. Uh, it's going to be a picture this time. I'm actually at Flesh, Flesh and Blood Worlds in Barcelona, so I've been testing a lot for that. But I know Moyen has been playing quite a bit. Kawa, have you, have you had a chance to boot up Pixelborn and try out some of the new cards? Yeah, myself and Moyen were actually playing a lot last night together. So, uh, Oh, nice. It was, it was pretty fun. I've also... Uh, yeah, I've been kind of theory crafting some different builds. It's just like I've had the most fun with basically experimenting with colors that I feel like last set didn't work well together. I probably had the most fun playing like Steel Ruby, which has been super interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Moyen's going to talk about a few Ruby cards that uh, definitely have potential for sure. Yeah, Moyen, what, what, what has been your experience so far from like a super high level? Um, how has the meta really changed from chapter one? The meta is, is very hard to describe at this point in time, but everyone's just trying out uh, everything that got upgraded in some way, and also some new decks are emerging. Um, I think the most dangerous thing that has has emerged is that the Amber, um, what's it, Amber Amethyst ultra ultra aggressive deck is very dangerous right now. When before it was already having some some signs of strength that still was a little meme i think right now it's it's a meta contender for sure yeah and is that because you're able to utilize that new arthur wizard's apprentice to bounce back some of your cheaper threats in order to get two additional lore that being on top of now we have like the two cost uninkable pinocchio that quest for three are those some of the threats that are making it uh sort of tilt over the edge in that power level yeah the thing is even so while before you could combat that deck enough by having early threats that can trade and some rushers to to take out their uh, their Simba and their Lilo and their Maleficent. Right now, that often isn't enough because they have too many threats that quest for too much. Plus Arthur questing for three and protecting one of the high questing threats can actually make it so that even if you can trade every exerted minion every turn, they might still uh, comfortably outrace you. So they got they got a lot of upgrades in in Pinocchio and Arthur, of course, but I think also Madam Milm helps uh, contesting board while protecting something. I think the Merlin can help because uh, just get get over the edge in the end, and also the five drop pool has uh, increased in quality. Uh, most notably, I would say Yodora is very very strong. It's a five cost one nine that quests for two. And the deck just plays uh, just in time and the, the bodyguards. 
and then some five cost less, and uh, one nine just doesn't die to combat. And if they try to kill it, then you they might get hit with a Rapunzel if you go to to five five uh, to four ink. You say a five cost one nine. I don't think I saw that character. Yeah, that's um, good. Okay, I don't think can we you... reviewed it yet. Yeah, can one of you read out that entire card to me? Because uh, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it up. It's a Eudora, so she's a five cost amber card. Uh, she is inkable, storyborn ally, and she just quests for two. That's it. One nine. Pretty. Uh, wow. Pretty insane. <laughs> that's yeah. a be- it's a beefy body to get through jeez and it's questing for two that that's very disruptive so i had this sort of macro or high level theory going into rise of the floodborne um just looking at some of the early cards even the early emerald cards not even the amethyst stuff um the aggressive package in rise of the floodborne seemed to be a bit more powerful or at least was going to supplement some of the already powerful aggro decks that exist in set one and my theory was that any sort of control deck would probably have to play steel as one of its color. We saw steel get upgrades in terms of more card draw. We saw it get upgrades where it can challenge uh, not ready characters. So that was like a previous issue that control decks dealt with. But what, you know, in chapter one, steel was, I guess it was okay because it's, uh, but it, it just didn't have as much of a punch as Ruby didn't have access to be prepared. So it didn't have this sort of agnostic board clear, didn't have dragon fire to deal with super big threats. But I, what do you guys think? What What is the answer to these aggro decks? Uh, is there like mid-range steel decks or control-based steel decks that are able to deal with the amount of pressure that's being put on board? It's really, it's really interesting because just even thinking of like a 1-9, it is, it is just, it's a scary stat line. It's a stat line that you wouldn't really like. I feel like in other card games, you're like, oh, it's not really too worrisome. But... There's no card in Lorcana that's like um oh Moen, you can help me out here. There's like the the two co- the two mana card in Hearthstone that just like kills something with three or less attack, right? If we had a card like that in Lorcana, it's one of the Shadow Word something. Shadow, Shadow Word pain. pain. Yeah. <laughs> if we had a card like that in Lorcana, you there's actually it, it would be insane. If that was like three attack or less, I feel like that card would be so broken because like we like we've been preaching forever on this podcast like the big butts matter right like the important stat line here is that nine health that is a lot to try and get through so um yeah i mean i did yeah. play kind of a pinger a pinger deck against moyen yesterday which which was decent like it kind of you know chipping away at health is pretty good it, it helped against you know certain evasive characters and stuff but just directly dealing with nine health if you don't have something like Dragonfire is extremely difficult to do it in this game so personally i'm i'm actually not sure how we combat this but i'm sure moin has some some better thoughts here um yeah so what i want to talk about is that in this game it might actually be just for playing against removal it might actually be better to have less attack because there is stuff that removes uh cards of higher attack yeah five five attack or higher it's the world's greatest criminal mind and i've actually been playing that within a kind of support package deck so uh, th- this card still is even really good against it, right? Because let's say, for example, Phil, right? Phil, you give this support, you, you give this plus three attack. It's still not within the five attack range. Yeah. So you'd have to be playing a card like Maximus Bodyguard and then you could get to it. But that's so much work to try and kill off Eudora by just kind of going that route. So I'd rather just Dragonfire, I think. But it's tough, man. Yes. So against uh, this ultra-aggressive tech, I have a very hard time imagining that anything without Grey has a good matchup into it. Mm. But I think Grey has a lot of different ways to try and build against it if it really wants to. Um, 
So they can play one cost Cinderella that can sing for three and then um, basically ping off uh, the Pinocchios, the Lilos before they quest uh, with the, the Storm Rage on by play, uh, dealing two damage and drawing a card. They can they can smash stuff, they can fire the cannon stuff. They could even play Robin Hood, which Karma was trying yesterday mm-hmm. to just deal one very early and repeatedly if it doesn't get removed. And later on, they of course still have Grab Your Sword and Tinkerbell. So against that deck, I think you want to be playing great. Um, but that matchup also needs to be tested. Um, how if the gray uh, removal parts help enough that you just destroy that deck, or whether it's still somewhat close? Yeah, I'm actually interested if we could see gray in a control package because gray was actually a part of what I consider to be the best deck in chapter one, which was wheel steel. So amber steel uh, with a whole new world um, had like a very low curve with the 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 lanterns um as well as like stitch rockstar had a, just an insane amount of draw in it as well i wonder if um we could see steel in in aggro pa- or sorry in a control package and if that would be still feasible against these aggro decks and i also want to ask you have you seen any of the the wheel steel deck with upgrades from rise of the floodborne because i i know we talk a lot about ruby amethyst on this podcast because we love that deck um but the best deck of chapter one was probably wheel steel and that deck and i mean that deck is an amber deck that has steel like a low uh low curve steel package um with access to aoe removal and i'm sure that you could kind of tech that deck a bit to deal with the aggro decks i mean traditionally uh amber steel is good against aggro what about that deck have you seen have you seen any upgrades to that have you seen it on ladder the main upgrade i've seen so i, I haven't i haven't played against it but the biggest thing i've heard people just talking about it is doing exactly like what moin mentioned was putting in the one cost cinderella and then singing mm-hmm. let the storm rage on that's just like a super good turn to anti-aggro play you get card draw you ping off some of their aggressive threats um i've heard i mean just with amber steel in general people have been talking about oh you can play the big cinderella for kind of late game stuff but i I haven't come across at the moment but that's probably because i feel like people are trying to test out like you know different decks and kind of having fun uh at the moment but yeah i want to circle back just super quickly to the deck that i was playing against moyen yesterday which was uh, steel ruby and in the matchups where uh there was multiple threats for my uh, for my opponent in this case it was moyen uh i had the queen of heart like you know cards like queen of hearts like i need to pull up the exact name of it but it's the five cost queen of hearts that when you one of your characters challenges another character uh you draw a card pair that with sheer Khan. i think that works really well in terms of you're clearing off your opponent's threats but at the same time you're gaining card advantage and also gaining lore as well. So that was definitely one way that I, I always felt, I never felt like, oh, I have to attack and I'm I'm losing, you know, cards, I'm losing lore, like I have to just clear off the threats. Like it's, uh, it worked out pretty well in terms of maintaining the resources that I wanted to keep. And against aggro decks like that, I feel like if you have enough pingers and enough things to deal with, you know, if there's annoying evasive targets or if your opponent is just like holding you know the pinocchio or other cards just waiting to kind of get there that works out really well so that's a deck i i definitely want to iterate upon and try to improve because there's definitely some elements i was kind of missing but some elements worked really really well yeah in general the Shia khan queen of hearts package can work in a lot of different decks i think mm. it can even work in a new different way of playing ruby amethyst 
if if the ultra aggressive deck doesn't become too popular because it, it can't beat that but mm. as long as uh being able to do minion or character combat is enough to to stay alive then it can just stall into the high card quality be mm -hmm. prepared clears ursula else and also win that way um I, i've also tried a lot of a lot of amber steel and it got a lot of upgrades the decks the deck is so hard to build right now because it's for, probably the deck that has the most viable strong options mm -hmm. to to put into its deck sure so i think there's a lot of different ways you can go about it you can go real steel you can instead cut the cut the wheel and play a you have forgotten me version where you try to uh two for one your opponent until they basically run out of value and you still have value um so then where you can ramp with lantern play real steel there's a lot of different ways to go about it. but let's let's talk about uh the upgrades that it's mm -hmm. definitely gotten so a real is as consistent as you want it to be you don't you no longer have to play Hakuna Matata and there's still a million inkable songs that you can put into your deck that actually do have value occasionally that's not just inking them so let's talk about them there's world's greatest criminal mind that's uh, removing a five attack or higher there is uh, let the storm age on which isn't inkable but still a great song to add to the aerial package in steel um, there's Strength of a Raging Fire, which is a removal song uh, that that's inkable in, in gray. And I think there's even more. There's oh, yeah, Painting, painting the, the Roses red, red, yeah. Which is just a two-cost cantrip most of the time. Uh, with, with not too much upside, but it, an inkable song that's also a cantrip for when you don't need it as ink is, is also very, very good for Arian. So these are the songs that upgraded. I've been really liking Dog, which is a three-cost inkable 2-3 that costs for two. And it makes it so if it quests, your next character costs one less. So it can help you cheat out Surfer Stitches, Rockstar Stitches, Tinkerbells, or Rapunzel, whatever your late game is that you want to be playing together together with Lanterns. So you can get them out very quickly. And one one card we liked a lot from uh, from the card review, I I still like a lot. Was it Mulan? <laughs> wait, wait, no, actually, I don't know if we reviewed it, but we talked about it in... In private, it's it's the beast, the five cost yeah, the three beast. five quest oh, for two, yes. and that like draws at least one card most of the time, because it, it it says at the start of your turn if this character has no damage, draw a card, and then you don't use this to trade. You just draw one, and then you quest, and you say, oh, you even if you don't want to kill this, you have to at least put damage into it to deny me some card draw. And it's it's a very early, very efficient threat that's very hard to deal with efficiently. So yeah. I think in general, Ember Steel got a lot stronger, and it will be. A fun puzzle to figure out how to build it for what matters. Is there any viable beasts that you can actually shift that into, or is it, I mean the the five cost beast alone just seems really good anyways. But I I'm, I don't think there's any very good beasts. I think there's I think that fundamentally when you look at that card, there's no reason to two for one yourself with the shift sure. because you're using it as a value card to draw cards, mm -hmm. and there's no reason to sort of uh, already go down an additional card to get the effect unless there's some effect at that ink at that ink level that sort of prevents you from getting additional value. Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting because Beast is being paired with Rapunzel as well. You're forcing your opponent to trade damage into it or clear it um, in order to stop the card draw. But if they aren't able to clear it and they do just try to put damage in to stop the card draw, you're able to draw more cards with Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But, but um, I think shifting it... So there's, there's no good uh, shifting mm -hmm. options in Omgen Grey, but being to shift it, even if it's a value option and you sacrifice value to get it out earlier, it would still make a lot of sense because it means you get to generate, start generating that value a lot earlier where you 
if you do it like if let's say you would were to get beast up very early you could even not quest and just get a few extra draws so there, there's some merit in that but yeah it's it is just good without the shift option and there's no good cheap beast to shift this onto now uh, i do want to mention to people uh listening and watching wow <laughs> while i remember it that uh for any deck list that we talk about, uh, they will all be in the description. So both on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or just on YouTube, if you want to follow along. I'll be popping up images, but if you want to like look at the actual deck list, I'll have them, I'll have them below. Kyle, you were saying? Yeah, I was actually just going to touch on something. I know we mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier in private, Brendan. Uh, pick a fight. That's a card that a lot of people from the previous episode mentioned to us that I think they, they reckon that we kind of under valued the card do you still think it's kind of the same or do you do you value it a bit more i know the comment section were mentioning that it's a really good card to kind of tackle uh ward uh, it means that you can kind of get past that do you think it's still not that good do you think it's maybe a little bit better than we first anticipated i think it's a meta call mm. at best right so i th what what people did it uh when they mentioned in the comments is they pointed out more use cases for the card than i had originally thought of mm -hmm. um that being said if you're not removing some very prominent <laughs> character that you can't usually remove i don't think i would play it currently uh, but it's a good tech card to have in case the meta degenerates to a state where there are cards that are hard to interact with that have ward that are not questing that you aren't able to effectively target sure i think i think it's so terrible <laughs> um it's unthinkable. And then people pointed out how, oh, sometimes your character can attack multiple times, but I think that's that's quite rare. Could could be well, very good on six cost beast where you just kill everything until beast can no longer kill uh, has enough HP. But I think this being uninkable kills the card. And even if it was inkable, I'm not sure it would be that good. Speaking of terrible, there was a card that was very hyped up on Twitter during spoiler season that I know pretty much all of us didn't like so i just want to ask you guys about dinner bell and if you you know you were experimenting with amber ruby that would be that would be a deck you might play this in have you guys seen a lot of dinner bells so dinner bell is a four cost and inkable item in ruby that said pay tap and pay two draw cards equal to the damage on chosen character of yours then banish them people were like people were saying that this was this is the hottest thing to happen to ruby have you have you guys seen this card make any impact the only time I mentioned this card to mine was yesterday and memed about him putting four into his new Ruby Amethyst build. But no, I, I I personally have not seen it. I did play against one Ruby Amber today, but I didn't mm -hmm. see the item come out. I'm sure they probably had it in their deck. But um, yeah, I, I still don't see the crazy hype for the card personally. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't ever seen it. And maybe maybe okay with Mother Gothel, right? There's there is a character sure, sure, that like sure. tech is like tech, it seems like it was designed to go with it, but outside of that, I mean, I don't know, just no way. Even with Mother Gothel, it's a stretch. I'd rather just mm. Rapunzel the Mother Gothel. I agree. You know, it's way it's way better to Rapunzel your Mother Gothel, I think, than doing Dinner Bell because like you you don't have to pay the additional two. Rapunzel in general is like such a better card to do on on four than Dinner Bell in like every situation. Like yeah, I don't know. Mm. All right. Can, if Tempo uh, didn't exist at all, then maybe the number would have a place. But you're yeah. spending like your entire life savings and house to draw a few cards and hope your opponent's okay. 
All right, Moyen, I see a list from you here in our little group chat, and it's Ruby Amethyst. Talk to me about what modern-day Rise of the Flood board Ruby Amethyst is looking like. I see the evasives have come out, and I'll tell you that, uh, you know, in uh, in lieu of Rise of the Floodborn slapping evasive onto every single card printed, I think that that's probably correct. Also, you know you're trying to deal with these aggro decks. Talk to me about the upgrades uh, that this deck got and where it exists in the metagame right now in the context of how powerful some of these aggro decks are. Um, I think it's a very reasonable contender at keeping um, Steel Amber in check, but it will fold to complete aggro, and it might have its issue against Emerald, which we haven't talked about the strong upgrades Emerald got, but Emerald's kind of hard to deal with for control right now, so both mm -hmm. Ultra Aggro and Emerald can cause issues uh, in the new set, I would say, for to Ruby Amethyst. But I think Ruby Amethyst can be maybe a good meta bring if you're expecting a lot of Ember Steel. So yeah, the but we don't know how to perfectly build it, but we can talk about what significant upgrades it got of cards that you are most likely going to see in you will be Amethyst if it still exists as a deck. And that is the new Merlins. And mm -hmm. I know there's like four Merlins, but only two of them are really good, I would say. Mm. There's the Gold Merlin for Cost Inkable 4 3 that gives you one lore when he enters and when he leaves Battlefield. And there's the, the other Merlin, which is Merlin Rabbit. It's uninkable. It's a 2-3. Um, and when he enters and leaves play, Draw he draws card. you a card. So yep. I think both of these Merlins are insane upgrades for the mid-game. They're very hard to deal with. Even if they're being deal dealt with, um, they give you some value. So it's basically... The only way to deal with these cards is efficiently is basically play something that does more than these cards in the long term and ignore them. But yeah, they... they, they Fill that mid-game hole perfectly in, in Ruby Amethyst. And then also a huge upgrade is Madame Mim, the washer, mm -hmm. which means you can actually um, play a few more one and two costs in in the deck because it doesn't hurt you so much to play them because you don't lose out on ink necessarily. You can just use them to maybe trade or ink and then get them back to your hand, uh, developing a 4-3 wash. And, and if this ever happens to be bad because you don't didn't draw... Uh, a card that you want to be bouncing, then you can can just ink the Madam Mim as well. So and so this these are like the definite upgrades to the deck, I would say. Uh, maybe Felicia as well. Yeah, is Felicia a, is so good. I don't mm, know. I still remember great. Felicia was spoiled. We were uh, we were you know we've been playing Flesh and Blood for like fourteen hours a day for the past five days. Uh, but I remember I pulled up on my phone and I just showed it to the table and it was just like oh man, thank yes. God. <laughs> so Felicia has a one cost inkable three one and that's that helps your early game out a lot. It's reckless, but that's, that's totally fine uh, for what the deck's trying to do. Um, so I think, I guess, Felicia, the, both the Merlins and Madame Mim are very, very significant upgrades to the deck. I think now I want to be playing Pascal in the deck more than before. Pascal mm -hmm. is just a really good one-drop. Um, and it helps that you can get some quest and then just Madame Mim it. And what I've been trying is actually working Sheer Khan and Queen of Hearts into the deck to get more value out of uh, character combat or force your opponent to uh, quest a little bit less and then uh, fill that bridge into into the late game. Because if they do quest, then you can, while getting your trades off, you get lore with Sheer, uh, with Sheer Khan and also some card draw with Queen of Hearts. And to facilitate doing more minion combats or character combat if you don't have characters on the board, I was also trying the two-cost Queen of Hearts, where you can shift the five-cost Queen of Hearts onto, and it has Rush. Uh, then you have Maui, 
as wash and that is yeah that's basically the extra character content you're playing yeah do you think that the the evasive package the pongos that made their way into all these lists and mm-hmm. i mean we can even talk about like what's funny is at the end at the end of set one there was probably still people playing the control deck and playing more than 60 cards to try to last in the mirror um do you think that those versions of the deck are sort of going to be gone now at least in this early metagame that is dominated by aggro i mean surely the decks that were playing more 60 cards there's no way those can exist in a more aggressive no, but they, they, they never existed they it's never existed i knew you were going to say that people were huffing on copium but they never existed in my life <laughs> what do you think and, about and the evasives are they gone for good yeah i think so i mean the, the evasives were never like a core part of the deck they were more of a meta call of uh, this is actually how we get a good game plan into the mirror and actually have uh, better value into other decks than just playing um, the infinite card loop in the end game. The infinite card loop is also gone. That's, that's not going. I mean, I don't think it was good before. I, I think it's even worse now. Um, also, one thing about the evasives is, is basically in the non-mirror matchup, or even in the mirror matchup, they're just straight up worse than the Merlins. Because mm-hmm. they basically made it so you have something to play um, so your opponent... So you are also threatening, and if your opponent doesn't threaten enough, you don't have to play your removal. Um, and I think the moderns fill that role in the in the same way while being just extremely efficient cards. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember the first card that I slotted into the uh, Ruby Anthony Control deck was the Uninkable Merlin, <laughs> just the one that draws effectively mm-hmm. like two cards. It's just insane. Um, but you know, the big takeaway for Ruby Amethyst right now, I think, is that it is, at least in the, I don't even know what you would call this metagame, week one, pre-week one, yes. whatever, it seems to be poorly positioned at, at at best, right? Yeah, because while the deck got a lot stronger in what it wants to do, uh, I think Emerald and ultra-aggressive deck can, I mean, how do we call that deck, can cause issues. Yeah, so just you talking about the emerald, emerald, uh, emerald, the, 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 the ember, amethyst. Yeah, but actually, ember, I, I almost don't want to talk about that deck because <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to be responsible. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I so mean, good. It's uh, that's my honestly my biggest concern for Lorcana uh, as a whole mm-hmm. was be, was that if Agronex got like five to ten percent better, which I think they might have got more than that, <laughs> um, the deck the game might be kind of bad if you know people just literally plop down their characters and go ninety degrees because that is it's very very uninteractive. I think and, and I think I go ahead, Moy. Yeah, I just I just don't want to come off as if we figured out any meta. It's just basically this is concerns of how the meta might develop like we don't know how good it actually will be but we we tested enough to know that it can do very powerful things and it can be a very dangerous deck for the meta game yeah i i think if that deck is gonna be again yet yeah, like it, it's so early to call at the moment but i think what you were mentioning earlier brendan is is what the players who prefer to play control decks are gonna have to do is probably opt for uh, steel with another color combo just like it, it steel just has the best answers in terms of pinging off aggressive threats within the early game if that's amber steel with the cinderella combo if that's um even maybe Am- amethyst steel hasn't been too bad maybe emerald steel with some with the kind of discard package as well i just think pairing steel with cars like robin hood um 
and other pingable stuff is probably going to be your best bet to answer ultra aggro as we've kind of seen from set one right like the mid the mid-range amber steel yeah. deck was pretty good as well so yeah steel That's just cool. is steel just is kind of lorcana's uh color answer to aggro right mm-hmm. it just yeah, has yeah. like the, it has their removal i mean it has aoe removal so mm. um so, it, so, so basically what i'm saying is um i i don't think that this deck will have no counters but if gray is the only counters that can still make the deck very very dangerous if it means that this deck is so good that your only way of beating is, is having gray yeah. in your in your deck yeah, the grace the grace stonks are are definitely rising. <laughs> so, all Tink, right, let's talk about, let's prices, talk about em- yeah, just double. Yeah, they're going through the roof. <laughs> um, let's talk about this emerald uh, emerald amethyst deck. I mean, you mentioned emerald got a lot of upgrades. Just walk us through that more. Um, so emerald amethyst is one way to try to do it. I'm not actually sure about what the uh, best emerald pairing is at the moment. I think gray has some potential. I think purple has potential, but honestly. Every color, we would, we would have to try how it actually functions now with Amethyst. Amethyst got a lot of upgrades. Um, let's go to the most notable ones. It has Enchantress, which quests for two. And it's a two-cost inkable 1-1. One, one. That's a 3-1 on your opponent. So it's because you want to be tr- um, questing with this at all times, it's basically a 3-1. Um, so it's very hard to trade down into it, uh, to trade up into it. Mm-hmm. Fight. Yeah, okay. It's 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 very hard for this to get traded in a way that's unfavorably for you. And if it doesn't get traded, it quests for two as a two drop, which is very good. So it's it's almost comparable. To, I think it's comparable to how good Flynn Rider is. Um, then it got a lot of strong discard cards and some support for it. And what I like about the discard cards is that they don't need support. They can be good on their own, but they have some support. So let's go to the discard. We have uh, okay. Let's let's say the. Support card for it first. It's the three cost Twins John we talked about last time. Three cost Uninkable one two quest for two ward. And it says when your opponent discards one, you draw one. So having this on the board, which is not easy to remove, it's basically the easiest way to remove this would be grab your sword because it has ward and it's very resistive, uh where it has a lot of resistance against everything that's not grab your sword. Um so if you have this on the board, all the discards get better, and we have a few good new discards. We have Hypnotize, three cost action your opponent. Um, discards one, you draw one. We have Daisy Duck, four cost two, three, um, quest for two. Your opponent discards one when this quests. And I also really like Lucifer, which is the five cost uninkable. Quest for two, when you play this, your opponent either discards one or discards uh, one action or discards two cards. <laughs> so all of these cards, they can be outraced, right? Um, it's not hard to imagine your opponent just questing faster than these cards quest. That's that's very possible. But I think these cards make it very hard for your opponent to try to play the long game while you're putting out a lot of threats that are um, hard to deal with, but in different ways, while they make you discard your cards and while they might generate card advantage not just by making you discard, but also by drawing extra cards uh, potentially with Prince John. 
Yeah, I honestly think Lucifer is such a ridiculous card <laughs> because of the fundamentals of the card, right? It's a five cost and it's an inherent two for one. So at the floor, your your opponent discards one action, right? Uh, but then they also have to use another card to deal with this. So that could be a card on board. Um, that could be a card out of hand. Uh, so it, it pretty much is a two for one. Uh, but then the ceiling, or not even the ceiling, the like, uh, I guess like the not low floor, but these kind of median is a three for one and you're just you're getting that at five resources that's ridiculous because i think where we see a somewhat comparable uh effect is like nine costs maleficent where it comes down and it kills something um obviously a different ability but in terms of like card economy it's somewhat similar and i think lucifer's like slightly a bit better because it three ones your opponent more often than maleficent does it just seems insane to me I would say the the floor is not just the two for one. Right? The the floor would be this goes one for one, and then your opponent do, doesn't have to use an entire card to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's I think it's uh, not fair to say it always two for ones because maybe they wanted to play grab your sword anyways and it just dies, or maybe you get two quests and then they have a very efficient trade for them, and then that's not that's not straight two for one. It's more like one point five for one or one point four for one, but that's that's a good floor to have. Yeah, that's good for a floor. Yeah, it's just, it's so strong. And then, I mean, just the fact that like Emerald can, because I think that a lot of people looked at Emerald and they were like, oh, uh, we had Prince John, and we had this whole package to support it. Uh, but just the fact that like Hypnotize and Daisy Duck are good, like decent cards on their own. And then when Prince John is on the battlefield, they just get so much better. Just makes me so scared to play against Emerald, to be honest. Like Emerald was definitely the color I was the most afraid of um, mm-hmm. initially looking at Rise of the Floodborne. It was like aggro in general, but mostly Emerald, to be honest. Yeah, so I I would say both. So Amber Amethyst full aggro is very good against control, except against steel. I would say anything that pairs with Amethyst is good against control, against like slower control type decks because it can just um, out card economy them, but it can get outraced by, by aggro. And then Amber Steel in this uh, meta prediction that I'm doing right now would be a little bit more flexible, versatile in how you build it, and it can do a lot of different things, but it keeps keeps aggro in check and should have uh, at least close matchup against lots of different decks because it's just that flexible. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there, there's a few lists in our group chat, but there is one there is one ink color that is that is missing from all of these deck lists mm-hmm. and that is sapphire did y'all have any experience experimenting with sapphire at all i actually just popped one into the uh, chat there and uh i messed around with sapphire amber i kind of took the the shell that i know you actually you faced uh, against this color combination a little bit in your locals i believe brennan i know you said you faced like a kind of a maximus yeah. inclusion in there so i kind of took that shell and added a few different cards this deck, so far, I've seen some pretty good potential from it, but then overall, when you're facing the aggro matchup, it is pretty difficult. I experimented with quite a few cards. Um, I even asked Moyen for some advice of how we kind of adjust this deck. Um, I think you can definitely slot Ariel in into this deck. You're running 12 Inkable, <clears throat> Inkable Songs, the beer guest, the world's greatest uh, criminal mind, and also Let It Go. Um, your typical Hades stuff in there. The the big the biggest inclusion here is I think Sisu. Uh, Sisu is an incredible incredible card. I think Sisu is like really really good. 
Winnie the Pooh has been pretty decent as well. I, I'm a big fan of this uh, three cost, two, three stat line that can quest for two and that just have decent abilities, right? Like previously we've been playing the, the aerial, which is just great because it, it finds you a card, can still quest for one. But a lot of these cards coming out, I believe Benja as well is the, the steel version of these uh, three cost, two, three cards that can destroy uh, an item. Uh, which again, if we ever get into an item heavy meta is is pretty decent. But this deck has been fun to play for sure. The queen has been pretty impressive as well. I think that the, the queen is a nice tool to um you can get some major board swings with it, but again it, it is quite conditional in terms of how the board is set up. But even doing queen turn one into queen on turn two is is pretty nice. And you can do it Again, obviously depends on uh, percentages and stuff, but like I would say relatively consistently, right? Like it, it's the same thing as if you can do Lilo and, and Simba pretty much at the start of your games. It's just, if you mulligan well, like you, you might hit it pretty often. The deck's been fun. The deck's been fun. But I, I don't think, I, I honestly so far, I don't think this deck is anywhere near as impactful as it was in the previous set and the previous meta, mainly because this did pretty well against... Um, it did decently against Ruby Amethyst, right? And we're not, it seems like we're not really in that type of meta at the moment. It seems like it's like a super aggressive meta currently. Again, I, I don't want to say meta like Moist. I want to say pre-meta, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, just, I just, uh, go ahead. I personally didn't get to try um, um, New Sapphire yet, but it's also, it wasn't on the top of my list because I, it didn't get that many new upgrades that excited me mm -hmm. or that, to try new stuff. I think the heal stuff, now that we've seen our cards, the heal synergies seem a little off. They don't seem like, like, like they're quite there. Mm -hmm. I think Sisu is a huge upgrade for sure. We need a pool. The three cost that can ramp is pretty decent. I think Caterpillar is, is pretty good. It's a three cost one, three quest for three. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've reviewed it. But no, that, I don't think that's so. Just, yeah. That's just a lot of quest while having enough HP to not just fold to any IOE. So it will get the, at least the three quest off quite a lot, I would say. So I think Sisu, Caterpillar, Winnie the Pooh are the standouts. And um, if if Blue in set one was mostly, I think in set one, Blue was mostly, as, as Kava pointed out, like an anti-control uh, tech. It's like mm -hmm. you, you only really wanted to play Blue if you wanted to have uh, a strong late game and have overwhelm your opponents by having more resources and then just uh, out questing them with like Hades, let it go. And Sisu helps with that, Caterpillar helps with that. But I don't know if this niche still exists. I think mm. if you want to beat control, maybe there's better things, uh, better decks that do that now that also mm. are better against other decks. So yeah. I, I don't have too much hopes for, for blue, but it's it's very, very early I, to judge this. I have a I have a somewhat hot take as well, which is <laughs> I think in the last meta, people played this deck as a way to uh, get an edge on Ruby Amethyst. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually think it didn't have an edge. I think the yeah. matchup was mm -hmm. at best 
like maybe 50 50 for them um like they just had some tools that were minorly annoying for being with this like a hades loop like eye of the fates um like you know sort of agnostic border removal in the form of hades let it go but the problem with uh sapphire's removal against ruby amethyst is that it helps it them turns... right it gets them to the yeah. seven faster actually which is which is quite funny <laughs> it's not really the set well it's not really the seven so like yeah it does get you there faster mm. but what it really does is that it gives you so many things in inkwell so that you can activate your magic mirrors every single turn and now card draw them anyway sure um because yeah. you really have to kind of build up to that yeah so you also maybe have to spend less resources on anything so, but so yeah even even last meta that's what people used it for but i it was a close matchup anyway it wasn't anything that, that yeah beats you might I will say Emerald Emerald Sapphire for me was definitely the hardest matchup I ever faced as Ruby Ruby Amethyst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's <laughs> just, I mean I don't know if I I would almost get up okay. But now um, I have a very competitive background, but I would almost get upset at my if I queued into that deck with Ruby Amethyst last meta, I would almost get upset at them for playing it because it's like unplayable in the meta, but it, they hit like just that matchup where it's like <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a, a a tech pick. If you were targeting Ruby Amethyst and you're basically taking an auto loss to like any steel based amber deck, um, or just like any steel based deck uh in general. So or amber based deck or amber based deck. <laughs> or deck. So there's a card in here that I, I was definitely a bit more up on than you guys, which is Sisu. Uh so you guys now playing with that card, actually being able to experience it, the power level was there. Was it as? Was oh it, yeah, I I, oh. I think I think it's really good. I think it's really really good. If you get it off once, it's good. If you get it off twice, it's really good. If you if it sticks on board after that, man, the value of the card is just insane, right? Like even hitting it once, you feel good. Once you hit it again, it's like it is it is a card that your opponent wants to remove as fast as possible. So yeah, yeah. it's really nice. Or just what uh, what Kava was experimenting in. in when they tried the Amber, um, the Amber Sapphire deck, is, is basically just also having a few decent support cards mm-hmm. because World's Greatest Criminal Mind uh, can't actually remove too much because most of below five attack, but yep. just just like, just a little bit below. And I think it's a very nice idea to actually get big tempo swings out of this card because it can be sung as well by, uh, by just um, supporting your opponent's character together. So I think that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, just like we were kind of deciding on what extra support card. We we knew we were always going to throw Maximus in there because that's just a solid card in general. We were debating between the new three cost Mulan or just Phil. And I kind of thought that Mulan was fine because usually like, I don't know, like this, 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 that is not correct. Like this is not a fact, but like when I think of kind of cards, I say most of them would probably have about three attack if you add the two you'll get to the five but there are some cards that have two attack that sometimes you might want to have fill there to get up to the the five attack instead but that's cards like i don't know like in, in terms of cards that are threats well i guess look sisu is is one of them ursula like if i if if i killed an ursula by doing fill and then world's greatest uh criminal mind i i feel pretty good like that would be kind of a cool play honestly yeah i think it's not that you really need the three attack, but I would still just play Phil in that deck. Sure, sure. I would just play Phil Mulan because they're they are pretty good cards on their own. And yeah. they make it so that um suddenly World's Greatest Criminal Knight is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Well, I mean, that, that goes through like our first preliminary list. What are y'all's thoughts on the, the set impact in terms of gameplay so far? I know we're all in the honeymoon phase. You know, we're experimenting with all these new cards um, and that's exciting, building new decks. But how has the gameplay been so far? Because we saw like the the dynamic of Lakana is completely different. Uh, prior to Rise of Floodborne, you could basically see the amount of uh, quests your opponent had and it was very predictable and you had full agency to sort of play around their quest value on near turn if they had things tapped or you just like kind of knew what their board state was now they can bounce things back to gain lore um they can make attack you, with uh, yeah they can talk with Khan, get more lore yeah tons yeah, of things right yeah. i mean sure Khan represents something on board but like mm-hmm. there are things that they can play out of hand to get lore that you couldn't see so like the dynamic of the game has generally changed and like we talked about like maybe the aggro decks are uh more than five to ten percent better what have been y'all's experiences in terms of gameplay so far yeah, it's been annoying when I was playing Moyen and he's just playing Merlin the Goat the whole time, bouncing it back, bringing it back. Like you have to really keep in mind, uh, like like really really keep in mind cards in hand. Saying okay, they can play that, they can bounce this back. Like if it's a situation where Moyen can quest on board to get to eighteen, and then with the cards in hand, like say Moyen has seven ink, can just do Merlin and then bounce it back, and then that's game. Like though, those are things you really need to kind of consider now and. Uh, I think that the the bounce deck in particular with uh with those combos yeah it's it's stuff that people aren't going to be used to immediately and it's it's been frustrating but at the same time I, it's been enjoyable you know what i mean like like you said it's 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 a different dynamic and for me that's always exciting it's a, it's a new challenge to take on you know yeah there's also there's also uh, the, the game where I, I just had like very little bot, and then suddenly a, a few Shia Khan and two cost Queen of Hearts came out to, to, to get a lot of law. Yes. So this stuff exists now that you have to think about, but it's not like completely out of the blue. You still know about mm-hmm. yeah, what, yeah. what your opponent could have. You know, if your opponent has Amethyst, you know, they could have a murder. If you know if your opponent is in the color Ruby, they could have a Shia Khan. Um, so it, it's just a few things that you have to keep in mind, which I think is a nice progression as the second set for the game. Um, mm-hmm. I also really like that deck building got a little more interesting now because now you have more options on the same power level, um, especially in, in Ember Steel, for example, you have so many options now, while maybe before deck building was was a little more simplistic because you didn't have that many uh, options on that power level that you want um, anyways. So about the meta, I would say, I so I... I have I have already tested that Amber Amethyst aggro just really destroys non-steel decks. What I haven't tested yet is how badly does um steel beat up on the aggro deck. And I hope it absolutely destroys it just so that people won't play uh so much Amber Amethyst aggro just because they're too afraid of this one matchup that keeps it in check. Right? I hope that uh steel is good enough into it that the meta doesn't um, suddenly become that, uh, you know, suddenly uh, develop into a way where Amber Amethyst is like a tier zero deck, because I, I think that would be really bad for the game. As long as that doesn't happen, I'm, I'm very hopeful and looking forward to figuring out the new meta. Yeah. I mean, looking from the outside in, like I said, I've basically just been playing Flesh and Blood. Uh, it looks it looks really cool, and it's it's great to see some of these lists emerge that you know we were speculating on beforehand. Um, and I'm keen to experiment. Honestly, the thing I'm looking for the most is a steel based control or mid range deck. 
um, likely playing with a color that is not amber uh, and trying to see if I can do something there because maybe something like steel amethyst uh, if if most of the threats you're being presented with don't require something like a dragonfire or or uh, be prepared maybe you can drop the the sort of agnostic removal there and just go with damage based removal and play on board or maybe you pair steel with something like ruby and because steel has more access access to more card draw you don't need the support of amethyst because amethyst definitely lacks in the removal department right um so if you can find card draw somewhere else maybe we can find a different support color for for control which is really that's that's what i'm interested yeah. in yeah, yeah basically now the base control color might just not be not even be amethyst or ruby it might just be gray and then what do you pair gray with mm -hmm. to actually make it a control deck because gray inherently is more mid-range but it can lay the groundwork for for a new control deck and i think that's very exciting although i think viewers already memeing about us just being control fetishes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, somebody said that. And I, I definitely replied. I was like, "That is fair," because <laughs> I like they like Brendan evaluates every Ruby Amethyst card as if it was going to go into the Ruby Amethyst control deck. He knows that there's other colors. That, <laughs> there's, other, there's other archetypes in these colors. I was like, mm, "Not in my world." Nope. Just Ruby. <laughs> I mean, Ruby Amethyst was one of my favorite decks of all times across any card game. To be honest, so uh, I do think the deck we we start to sunset it a little bit, at least how it worked in set one. Maybe we'll find something else to to sort of take up the good cause of control. Uh, but right now, <laughs> it's just looking it's looking like it's going to be a process for sure. I'm I'm so excited to figure out the either, either gray ruby, uh, actually both. I want to figure out what how would gray ruby look like and how would gray also steel amethyst steel ruby look like. I think both of them have. At least potential in TV. I'm, I'm excited for those. Yeah, I, I messed around a little bit with both of them already. Again, like very minimally. Uh, and I enjoyed both. I thought that the Ruby package was good, like Moya mentioned, with the Shere Khan, with the Queen of Hearts. To, like that's your card draw engine now within Ruby is, is pretty much that Queen of Hearts. I think it actually works pretty well. And then on the Amethyst side, obviously you, you keep the card draw. And uh, even messing around with cards, like it was the Fairy Godmother, the three costs that when you play uh, Cinderella, exerts an opposing character so you can pair that with the small two cost cinderella which basically has simba's ability and then also the the bigger cinderella so there's some cool things that you can do within steel amethyst i am leaning more so towards steel ruby personally because i think it's a little bit more consistent but again I, I have to do more testing with it personally so am i yeah i'm actually leaning towards that as well mm. Not because of consistency, but because Ruby, I would rely on Steel for pretty much all, for all of the card draw, mm -hmm. uh, all most if not all, and then I would just Ruby would be the additional pair color for just more more board control yep. and just more control in general. Things like Dragonfire, be prepared, but also just the efficient threats, um, things like Gaston. So I guess it's it's interesting because like then you're like maybe is it overkill in terms of like how much I'm trying to beat up on combat and clear the board. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it will definitely happen where you have like mm -hmm. more characters that want to attack something that then your <laughs> opponent has characters that actually can be attacked. Yeah. Um, so that, like, that could be one issue of it. But I, I think Shir Khan and Queen of Hearts are so crazy to me. It's not like they are, they don't completely break the game, but they, um, they're just so consistent. And yeah. They're, they're both inkable and their condition, some conditions in this game we talk about how um how they're like a Christmas land or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're very hard to meet. But Shir Khan and Queen of Hearts are both inkable, 
and they're so consistent because they both just say when any character that or any of your character challenges any of your opponent's characters. And that's going to happen. That's going to happen in a game. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I think that that, that happens in Arcana that any <laughs> of your characters challenges yeah. any character. It's not, it's, none of them say, oh, this character has to challenge mm-hmm. something or it, it's just a very easy condition to meet if you ever get into any character combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, right now it seems like you need, you either need to be competing via combat against your opposing aggro deck or you need to be in steel so that you can remove it via aoe removal because the aoe removal in ruby is just too slow <laughs> like i mean be prepared just seems pretty weak in yeah. this meta at least like initially that's, that's, unless that's, you're pairing it yeah because like i mean yeah you have fire the cannons freaking grab your swords like you've all got that the, stuff the can small, also be cheated out early yeah you've got the small well. queen of hearts now as well the rush which has been pretty good we've got you've got felicia which we mentioned earlier which is just like super good against i love felicia yeah That's so like the best one drop so, um so yeah I, I want about the queen of hearts i think you kind of have to remove it because like even without it being exerted because it just means, as soon as your opponent has a Queen of Hearts on board, that means every character that you quest with might just be an extra card draw for your opponent. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, it, happened, so it, happened, it happened yesterday, Moyen, where I yeah, think yeah. at one stage it was I had it, and you were like, I don't want to quest with any of my cards, because then you yeah. get cards. And then it was yeah. the same with me, where I had to hold as well. It's crazy. Yeah, it was. So I was playing some Emerald deck, and he was playing this the Steel Ruby. Mm-hmm. And he had the Queen of Hearts on the board, and I... I, uh, normally I would be winning this game, so he, I, I, and I discarded his hand, so it was like on zero cards, just drawing one card each time. And in a normal game state, I would be winning this, because I just quest with my characters, and even if he gets some trades, that's just enough to get me over the line over a few turns. But at that point, I wasn't close enough to 20 that I could just um, get to 20 over two or three turns, and it just meant as soon as I quest, I lose the game because I give him an extra card. And, and I had Shere Khan as well, and I was getting Lore. So like the, the combination that we talk about of those two cards specifically, if they're both out on board, each attack, you're still gaining stuff from yeah. it, which is just and, insane. And it actually was so bad that in a normal game set, Kava wouldn't even have to have been able to quest because he would have been busy trading to myself. Yeah, exactly. But he could even quest. And I, I had favorable traits that I could have taken into his, his quested characters. And I couldn't take them because if I take them, I again he gets cards of Queen of Hearts. Yeah. Um. So why? Okay. Why everything about this is crazy? Just to uh, dial it back down a bit. Yeah. Di- yeah. Dial yeah. it back down a little bit. Um. I also played a bit with Spessy yesterday, mm-hmm. and he he's very big on the the Agro Ember. Mm-hmm. He's having this. a good. He's having a good time right now. And I, yeah. I tried. I, I I tried to beat it without playing Steel. I talked about how miserable that is, but I kid you not. There was like two or three games in a row where every time his character was exerted, I could kill it. And I still didn't get close to winning the game because it's, it was just not enough to kill the exerted mm. characters because mm. they just still get to 20 before yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And their, their characters don't exert as much because they can just uh, Arthur them back. And maybe there's uh, also a 1-9 coming down, even if it's exerted. <laughs> that takes like... Um, like I don't know, it takes your entire turn to kill it if if you're even able to do it in your entire turn. Yeah, I don't. So I do just, not want to face a just in time into Eudora like that. That is so difficult to be. I think that deck's so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So he just like his his deck now that he's gotten the upgrades just literally has too much quest in the bottom right hand corner that <laughs> it doesn't even matter if you yeah. kill it after it exerts because mm-hmm. it's just like this. Yeah, that that's yeah. tough. So o- maybe also, you just like need this anti anti. Like yeah. you know, things like Shere Khan or things like Aladdin to like 
punish them sure. for posting. Yeah. Queen of Hearts. Yeah, but the sheer cards not enough. Uh, anything that just helps you for your game plan it's not it's enough, not enough for the, yeah. something that you need to stop their game yeah, yeah stop, you need to, you need to remove them from questing way faster than before it even gets to combat and that's where steel comes in yeah yeah because if, if you just gain some law while killing some of their stuff they will still gain more law faster than you mm -hmm. um yeah that 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 is tough also that deck's very comfortable at just staying at uh at three ink doesn't need more than that. Oh yeah, three ink. Oh my That's no, the most degenerate thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three ink deck. Sometimes oh, no. you go to four to play Rapunzel, but if basically you play, you you just in time your five drops, or you just uh, use them to get to three ink, and that's good enough. <laughs> and then you keep playing Lilos, Arthas, and Pinocchios, and. Okay, so what we want people to take away from this podcast is them, for them to not play Amber Amethyst and just play <laughs> Steel. Just, just try something. Else. <laughs> oh, yeah, and if you and if you have a good anti Amber Amethyst list, please link oh, please, it. Oh, please, yes, please comments. let us know. Uh, save us, yeah, help please. us, help us out. Yes, uh, we need. To, we, I, I'm not going to be satisfied until Specy's a control player. And that's gonna take a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Um, exciting times. It's always great to have a new set um, and experiment with the new cards, build new decks. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot of evolution over the next couple weeks. And we'll, we're definitely going to keep our ear to the ground on that. Keep playing, keep grinding, um, and just enjoy. The Hopefully this Lorcana meta is as dynamic as Chapter 1 was. I mean, Chapter 1, you could actually talk about evolutions and changes in the meta every single week, which is incredible, especially for... You know, Lorcana is technically a paper TCG, but it is a very digital game. And in a digital game, having a meta that it is that in flux, very, very impressive. So hopefully we get that again. Um, and yeah, for us, if you listen to the podcast, you enjoy it. The number one thing you can do is leave us a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can check us out on YouTube for a video version of this, youtube.com slash podcana. Uh, hit us with a subscribe while you're there. Almost at 1,000 subscribers. Um, so big milestone for us. We're all on Twitter. I don't have the <laughs> OBS overlay in front of me, but I can guess. I'm at BrenAPG. We're at Kawatech underscore CG and at Moyen HS. No underscore, right? Just Moyen no, there's no underscore. Damn, so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> um, and yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you have any, yeah, anything about the meta or anything you want us to read out in terms of questions and stuff, we're bringing back our sort of listener question section. So shoot us that on YouTube and we'll get them discussed next week. But thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.